0: Ace Podcast.
1: Blood and Black Rum Podcast presents today, Death Wish 4, The Crackdown.
0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from the themoviesdeadworld.net, and I'm joined with my co-host, Martin. How's it going? And uh, we are going further in our Death Wish series, a uh, look at all five of the Death Wish films. We've done three already. We're getting there. We're almost done. Yeah, we're we're more than halfway through now. And today we're on to the 4th, which is Death Wish 4: The Crackdown. That the Crackdown parts are very important. The Crackdown. This is the first time that there's been a subtitle for the Death we, Wish films. We
1: went from Death Wish to Death Wish 2 with Roman numerals. Yeah. And Death Death Wish 3 forsakes the Roman numerals yep. to the, the back back to regular just numbers. Arabic, back to Arabic numerals. And now this one we got we still got the Arabic numeral. Yep. But now we got a subtitle.
0: That's right. Yeah. And the crackdown part of it is a big important part in the film. It is because he's cracking down on crack. Yeah. They don't basically. say they don't say crack. No. But, but it's crack. It's basically crack. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> it's 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 crack cocaine, and. um yeah, I mean this. this well, I, well, I was going well, to say, to be fair, free free ba- I, they do reference free basically They do,
1: which is different from crack. I mean, well, I
0: think, but, but at the same time, it's like geez. yeah. But I mean, I think in general, the idea for this film is that he's he's it's less. I guess it, it is about cocaine, but it's really more so about like drugs in like a generic like we're cracked. You know, let's get rid of drugs. Cocaine is the is the main point, like that. Which fuels makes, his his. Uh... Which makes sense because this was filmed and,
1: and came out. Oh yeah, during like you yeah know, the late the
0: crack epidemic. Of the <laughs> late, <of> the <laughs> crack late... e- epidemic. Yeah, I mean that's what they were calling it. Yeah. I mean, that's you know it part is. of the reason why the
1: war on drugs amped up in the eighties. You know,
0: I mean, yeah, I, I like I think that like the like cocaine and crack is the focus, but I really do think that Death Wish Four is more so like working in generic terms. Like let's just. It's it's drugs in general. You know, like, put it all in one group. Drugs. They should, they should
1: have just had some kid, like, smoking pot and, like,
0: Bronson guns him
1: down. Yeah. Like, you're not going to be token on my streets. That's right.
0: Well, you can't say that Death Wish, the series, is is not time, like, like, uh, like a contemporary action film. Like, it, it is constantly set within the time period. Because we talked about the first Death Wish, which is really, like, really close not during but really close to the nixon administration and um we have death wish and it's very it's very and the first one as we've said in the previous podcast very
1: it's very grounded in that seven early early mid-70s vigilante you know yeah film style yeah and it, but the thing about it, even though it's ingrained in and it, it's a very much a piece of its time, it's a, again, I, it's a film that I still think you can look back at and it still kind of impacts and reflects it. That's why I'm not dismissive of Death Wish. And I enjoy Death Wish because yeah. I think it works it does, uh, as a film very well. I, th- I know there's flaws in it, but it's you know it's not fuck it's not Taxi Driver people, but it's still a very good film. Yeah, and I think an important film. You can't really say that about the sequels, because yeah, when you get to don't. Death Wish 2, it's very much a...
0: <clears throat> it's not a vigilante film anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's still timely. Uh, it is. It's like, timely of the early 80s. For that early 80s time period, it, it's, it's, you know, again, and we talked about it a little bit on that episode, is that it, ca- it comes significantly later as a Death Wish film. It's not like, you know, this is... Next year after the first Death Wish, where they're coming out with Death Wish 2. No, it's, it's years later. Yeah, eight years. Yeah, where Death Wish 2 finally comes out. We actually watched an interview with the director of Death Wish 2 and Death Wish. I mean, he did and both. in Death Wish 3. And Death Wish 3, Michael Winner. And in um, that one, he, was re, he really comes under fire for the rape scene within in Death Wish 2. Which, if you've seen it, and we kind of talked about it a little bit, is a lot less... Um, it's a lot less serious than the first Death Wish, and a lot less impactful. Yeah, it really it's it's there because it's exploitative, and they really are going for like a reaction from the from the audience. But it's
1: it's it, yeah, it's graphic. Um, I, I would say in in some aspect, it's more graphic than Death Wish one's rape scene. But yeah, but you're right, it's. Less impactful than yeah. the first one, or like say Clockwork Oranges, because it's there's not really any. It's not like taken seriously in no. it. No, the way like just how you have Lawrence Fishburne and his buddies acting
0: throughout that, you know, it's yeah, very it's it's a it's goofy. I call it, it goofy. Yeah, it's, it's goofy because they don't really they don't really care to make it serious. It's and there's no like you're not. It, it's almost like you're not even really supposed to find anything about it. Like there's not. Like you can kind of chuckle, like oh, you know, there's a, there's a rape going on. They they mention butt stuff, you know, but it's not like you're supposed to feel anything by it. And and I that was part of the the issue with this interview is they were really questioning why, you know, they they depict the rape scene in this way. But what I thought was was interesting, not even talking about the rape itself, but was uh, how Michael Winter was talking about. You know, he felt he needed to do another Death Wish because it was very timely, and he 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 thought that a lot had changed within, like, society within those eight years between Death Wish 1 and Death Wish 2. So, I mean, say what you will about, like, the sequels and the series I don't itself. Know if,
1: I don't know if I believe that as a whole. <laughs> I do believe what the uh, the two uh, British commentators are saying. It was just a money grab. It could have been, but, yeah, uh, definitely. No I, no, I think that, but, I mean, because... <clears throat> because it's, to... it's, it's literally, project, uh, you know, portraying the same idea... From the first film. It's literally a remake of the first film. Except the difference is, it's not a vigilante film, it's a revenge film. Because he's, yeah. he's not doing it out of the, you know, hit, like, this idea that he has to clean the streets up. It's something, again, that happened to him. But this time, he's targeting people specifically that were involved in that. So it's more than just him being, you know, a vigilante. It's him, you know, that's revenge. And- yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, I guess just the de- de- the depiction of, like, the the criminals and... The society in Death Wish 2 is is somewhat different than how Death Wish 1 does it. And even how people react to a supposed vigilante running around in Death Wish 2 is a lot different than Death Wish 1 where Death Wish 1 is kind of like heralding this person that he's like on the cover of every single magazine that you can think of on billboards. And in Death Wish 2, like no one is really making any...
1: Except the cops. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and And no one really cares. And the
0: people that he encounters. Yeah. And I mean, Death Wish 3, which we just did last week, it's not really so much different from Death Wish 2 in the way that they're portraying, like, the events. Like, society didn't change that much within the time period between, because I think there's only, like, maybe two years between Death Wish 2 and Death Wish 3. Not much has changed, and really, one can say that Death Wish 3 is probably taking things even less seriously than Death Wish 2, but not in a... In an offensive way, like they're claiming with Death Wish two with the rape scene, it's not really an offensive way. It's more so just like a now it's kind of like a jokey action film that is almost satirical in the way it's portrayed. You know, and that's
1: that was the point I made that I think, yeah. you know, the way things are in Death Wish three, that it is. I don't think it's taking itself seriously at this point. Yeah. Which you said you didn't think so much of. I, I, I honestly don't think in Death Wish 3. I think that's part of the fun of it, too. Is like, at this point, and now after watching that interview, I think probably after the criticisms that Michael Winner got after Death Wish 2, he's probably like, fuck it, we're just gonna, you know.
0: Yeah, we're just gonna do another one yeah. and not really care that much about... And just, you know, we'll make it light and chill. Because, <laughs>
1: again, the third one, there's not a rape scene. It's just his buddy gets beaten up in, yeah. in his house and...
0: Well, I mean, there is. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. No, you're right. it occurs later. No, you're
1: right. I forgot about that. The Um, one guy's wife. But I get,
0: but a lot of that, though, it seems like he learned a lot of that is off screen. It's more so, you know, rip the shirt off. And the rest of it, you don't really technically see. I mean, it's more of like a mention after the fact, like where her boyfriend is like, I can't believe she was raped. I can't believe she was raped. You know, it's not so much explicit. In that sense. I mean, I think... I do think, in a sense, in that interview, and I would
1: recommend people who are listening to go check it out. Uh, just go on YouTube and type in, like, Michael Winner, heated
0: debate. It, it, yeah, it was Death Wish to, two, 2, heated debate, yeah. and check um, it out.
1: I mean, I, I, think, I think he does have a point. I think, with, I think film, comedy, arts, drama... I don't think any topic's ever off-limits. No, it's not off-limits. And, and like, I know, because, you know, I think... Because you do have people who say, don't ever, like, joke about rape. Yeah. Or don't ever joke about racism. And they're both, like, like or, like, or any type of topic like that. They're very complex uh, issues. I don't think, though, you can't joke about them. No. Because part of, like, satire and dramatization is to look at these things in a different way that are going to get other people to look at it. Like, I may not be able to convince somebody, you know, with an argument about why their racism's bad, but if you tell, like, a joke about, like, you know, like, a certain stereotype, you can be like, see, doesn't that, like, when you hear it sound kind of ridiculous? Yeah. It's It's the, like, you know, it's like, it's like with, like, like, a, like, a racial joke, you can, like, laugh, like, you don't have to be racist to laugh at it. You can laugh at the absurdity of, like, the whole idea of it. Yeah, exactly. Because or- it's, it's, that that's the whole, like, point of humor, is, like, you're taking something and drawing it to such an absurd length. And so I think, like, with his point with like when they're critiquing him showing like the rape scene, though. Again, I do believe the point gets lost with the fact that it's they don't take it as seriously. But I think the fact that they're saying like, "Well, you can't show like that because that's just pornographic." I think it's wrong. I think you know you can do something like that and make it be impactful and meaningful and not just exploitative, but also graphic. Yeah. But again, that's some somebody's got to have like when it comes to stuff like that, you got to have a very fine stroke.
0: Yeah. You can't, you know... I mean, like, that's that sort of joking and stuff is also a coping mechanism at, at certain points. And I don't know if you could really say that, like we were saying, Death Wish 2 do- isn't really um, like, gentle or, you know, walking the line between like, depicting rape. It, it does probably go overboard on the way that it does it. And it doesn't do it in a in a... You know, it's not not careful with what it does is probably what I'm trying to say. Um, But at the same time, like in this interview, you you can see that the one critic that they have on to to kind of discuss this is Michael Winner, is totally really against like any depiction of rape in film ever. Like it's it's like not okay ever because you're not going to show the entirety of the act in the way that it's performed as like an actual rape. And I find that completely ludicrous from her standpoint that you can't show rape if you can't show like the entirety of the the penetration of the, the entire act. That's, that's like, that's first of all, if you did show that and it did get through the censors for whatever reason, like everybody would be turned off by that because there's no re you don't need to see all, all of that. Absolutely not. You don't need to see all of that to still feel the impact of, wow, that was a terrible thing. I, you know, I don't need to see every little detail. Again, and, just like all you have to do is like watch like Clockwork Origin how Exactly it, it handles and, it. And definitely though, there is like a careful nuance of how to depict it in a way that makes the viewer think, wow, you know, I know why I needed to see that, but also I know that that was horrible and like I'm meant to think that's horrible and not so much anything else. Like, I'm not meant to just laugh it off like, oh, yeah, that no, was kind of fun, you know? Um, and so I think that that's the case with, like, Death Wish 1 and 2, most, mostly 2, because uh, Death Wish 1 is actually pretty careful with the way that it's depicting that rape. It's not really meant to, you know, be, like, titillating or anything no. like that. Um, but with Death Wish 4, the crackdown, we don't get a rape at all. We get an attempted rape. We get a, a quick introduction to Paul Kersey, uh, now back again in L.A. for whatever reason, so and got ran right out of New York after burning down half the Bronx. That's right, Not got, Bronx, Brooklyn. Got out of New York. You know he's been in New York, L.A., Chicago, back, back to New back to L.A. Um, and you know the um with Death Wish Four, we kind of. It's kind of like we're getting out of that, like, gratuitousness of of Death Wish 1 and 2 and really embracing, like, the ridiculousness of this late 80s action piece. Because this isn't a vigilante film. No, it's not. It's not really a revenge film. No matter how much it wants to pretend that it's a vigilante film. Or a revenge film. film. It's an action film. Yeah. It's, It's, uh, like it wants to pretend that, like, this is a vigilante film. But it clearly is not. It's not at all. And it really is straight up action to the point where you know, we were joking. You could actually form a Grand Theft Auto mission around it. It's like an entire or a mission, plot, yeah, or yeah.
1: Entire plot line for like a series of missions from like one boss.
0: Yeah, it's literally what it feels like you're playing Vice City or like San. Andreas. Yeah, it does.
1: It's, it's ridiculous. It's it's great though. It's it's I actually I actually like the new direction that it's uh, kind of going in now.
0: We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, but first, you know, let's talk about what we're drinking. Um, have we had this on the podcast? before? I believe we have. Yeah. I think we have had it on the podcast before, but it's a seasonal favorite. It's coming around again. Uh, we talked about it a little bit in a previous episode that you were hoping that it was coming out. Yeah. Um, and now it's out. Uh, it's we're obviously talking about the Genesee Bach beer, which is like their later winter spring. Seasonal beer. Not
1: used, used to be just a spring beer, but now everyone's releasing that's their, right. their spring beers in the winter. So they've because if you remember, the first time I ever had this and brought it around was very late March when I went to visit you in Massachusetts. Yeah. to watch uh, the NCAA tourney.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, now it's now in, it's out in, fe- uh, in January. Yeah, yeah, pretty February. Um, yeah, we've had this on the show before, but we I just will bring it up again because. It's a great beer. Yeah, it's been a year. If you haven't listened to the podcast previously, then you wouldn't have heard it. Um, it's a it's a fun like beer for Jenny because it's a little bit more complex than some of their other stuff that they put out, uh, like you know, like the cream ale or the just the regular Jenny. It's basically a pretty. It's a pretty. Token Bach beer, really. I mean it's kind of what I think of when I think of Bach's. This is my Bach beer. Yeah. this, this is yours of choice. This, this is actually one of
1: um this is my favorite Genesee beer. Yeah. Uh the Oktoberfest. Yeah, I love the Oktoberfest. Yep. Very That's close great. second. And I, I do love the Korea. They're all very close to me. Yeah. is is they're great. I do hope they continue the Oktoberfest, which, yeah. as you were saying, that one guy that you talked on to Facebook that works there said it's so, like, fucking crazy, so. Yeah. Hopefully, you know. Yeah, I'm they'll sure they'll it. be doing it again. But I love this, and I look forward to I've been drinking this now for about six years. I look forward every, like, spring for this. Yeah. And usually I only get to buy like a couple of cases because around here not a lot of stores like stock up on it. They'll get it, but they won't get it in bulk because around here um, most people's like cheap beer choice it's Bush. Yeah, and that's what
0: they stock up on. They don't stock up on. Uh, yeah, they're not really jet- gonna go out of their way to get the Jenny Bach. Yeah. yeah,
1: but I mean they'll get it, but they won't get it in bulk. However, the place I got it today had a like ten stack of cases. Wow, of it. And they have like out front too, like a whole, like a display, like a cardboard cutout display of like the Jenny Brew House logo on it, and then the Jenny Brew House selections and some other Genesee stuff. So that's great. So I'm hoping they stay fully stocked because I picked up two 12 packs of this today. Yeah, because it's awesome. I love it. It's great. Um, basically, if you never had Genesee's Bach before, it's kind, it's kind of like their regular beer, but it's. It's much more maltier. Yeah, has a very deep, mul- you know, multi body to it. You get caramel notes to it. It's got like a bitter, a slight bitterness, but also a sweetness to it. Yeah, um, it's very crisp, very refreshing. Yeah, it's I a mean, very <clears throat> drinkable and enjoyable. Beer. I mean, I've I've never really had like too many box before, like other box, mm-hmm. and I would like I don't think this is like probably like. The greatest representation, probably, of like what a true Bach is, right? I I don't care though. It's yeah, fu- it's fucking great.
0: Yeah, I, I think I like it. I I think it's really good. Uh, I'm actually sick this week, uh, as you can probably tell from my huskier voice. Uh, but um, so I the first sip that I had, the first couple of sips was um very very bitter to me because of I'm I'm thinking because of my cold and the way that it's. Like messing with my taste buds, you know, you get that sick taste in your mouth. Um, kind of have that, so like it really emphasized the bitterness, which I didn't. I don't know if if I wasn't sick, if I would really recognize that it's it's bitter. But it does have it does have bitter notes to it, which I, I think makes it a little bit more complex than some of Jenny's other beers because you're getting. So a slight, you know, a lot of malt to it, but then a slight bitterness as well. Which and I think... when
1: he says other Jenny beers, um, he means like their main line. Not yeah, their, main not line, their, like, not
0: their, uh, not their, not their brew house beers, uh, but like the, like the Jenny regular, Jenny light, Jenny cream, Jenny ice. Yep, Jenny ice. Even, even like the twelve horse ale. Which you know what? The only hit I get. This is why I want to go out to the brew
1: house. Yeah, they do serve it at uh at the brew house.
0: The 12 horse? Yeah, because yeah, they, people, s- they cause sell I see on um, like regularly.
1: Yeah, because I see people post on Facebook all the time, like, why don't you sell the 12 horse anymore? Why don't you sell it? And they're like, we do. It's only at the brew house. So. Hmm. Interesting. And it's like, I got to go to the brew house and then get 12 horse. I don't know why they just don't release it like it <laughs> every... should.
0: Yeah, I know. I mean, it's weird that they, they pick and choose sometimes like when to do it. So. Well, they haven't released it in a couple Yeah, of years I haven't now. seen it out lately. You know what's uh, interesting though is that we'll be going tomorrow night to our local um, tap room, which is called Project Twenty Nine, and they are having a trivia night, which is always fun. But the more so why we're going is because they're having a Jenny Brewhouse night at at the at the bar. So I don't know what exactly that means. If that means like their uh, brewhouse
1: selections are going to be you know discounted or. If someone from Genesee is going to be there, I don't know,
0: but I—that's uh, the, the whole reason. I, I honestly was... have to think that maybe somebody from Jenny's going to be there. I mean, that would make sense. Like if they're—they're they're <sighs> highlighting Jenny Brew well, I I don't
1: know if you saw on Facebook them uh, like like recently adding to their menu like their winter warmer, their ch- salted
0: caramel chocolate porter, yeah. And I think like their Scotch ale or their Imperial Black IPA. So they—they they do have a lot on tap now as well. That at or if
1: it's—I don't know if it's on
0: tap or in bottles, but they—they they Maybe they're just handing it out. That'd be great. I know, It'd be that... fantastic. No, but uh, it should be a fun time. Uh, I've never been to their trivia night, but you you've been once before. It's pretty fun. Yeah, um, trivia night. We're just gonna go. I don't know. We'll probably get some food or something. Have we got have, great food there? Yeah. Have some fun. Um, have a few beers, and uh, hopefully, yeah, someone from Jenny Brew House is there. They do have a Jenny Brew House sign. That's really nice. I know. I want it. Yeah, I know. I want so, it. So. That would be interesting to go and meet with the Jenny Brewhouse guy and tell him, "Hey, we we podcast Jenny a lot. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool." I can't wait for the Smash to come around. They're single malt, single hop. Yeah, can't wait for that. It's gonna be good. Be awesome. Um, well, what do you say? We should head. We should head right into the film because we've already done Jenny Bach before, so we won't spend yeah. a lot of time on it. Um, so check it out if you can because it's out now. Yeah, get it. Post uh, you know, up. February. It's out. So, yeah. spring beer. Um, all right, so jumping right into Deathwish Wish for The Crackdown, uh, which uh, you have to, when you say the title, you have to add that subtitle on every time. Um, it's like a pimp called Sook, back. You gotta say the whole that, thing. That's right. It's like a tribe called Quest. Yeah. spoon Boondocks reference for your kids. <laughs> I uh, I have to say, I think... I think this film is pretty stupid. <laughs> I, I, I gotta, I gotta say, I think it's pretty stupid. Uh, I think you're wrong. I here. Yeah, let me kind of try to like unpack that. Yeah, please. let me try to give you some why I think it's stupid. I definitely don't think that this film is as good as Death Wish three, which I think was probably a high point for the series after the original. This is Death the best. Wish.
1: Re- this is the best review Death Wish sequel.
0: Death Wish 4 yes. is the best one.
1: Yes. See, I this don't wa- agree. See, Death Wish 2 and 3 got bad reviews. This got mixed reviews. See, I don't <laughs>
0: agree because like I said with Death Wish 3, Death Wish 3 was a lot of fun. It it's it's a it maybe it's not a smart movie. Like it's not it's no. It's not a smart movie at all. Like you can pick out a lot of things that just don't realistically seem like they would happen or work or anything. A lot of blown up cars and shit (laughs) but it's a lot of fun it is a lot of fun i'll say that um and that's kind of what i'm looking for in these like these films now that we're kind of like post seriousness whereas like death wish you're not really you meant to find it pretty serious i mean it's not like a really a parody of an action film or anything like that even if it's unintentional like deathwish 2 it's pretty unintentional but deathwish 3 was a lot of fun and i've got to say that deathwish 4 the crackdown is just not that much fun to me it really it didn't have that sort of like pacing and over the top ridiculousness that deathwish 3 had and i've really found it paled in comparison to the point where like i think some some people will find deathwish 4 like even a, a little bit boring at times. Go ahead, <laughs> let me have it. What, what do you think?
1: I'm going to disagree with you. Yeah. Um. Though I think Death Wish Three is still, because even though, like I said, I've seen the first three ones many a times, so I got them memorized. But yeah. four and five, I've only seen them like once or twice, so I remember much. Um. I still think Death Wish Three is the best one because it's a lot of fun. Like I said, I think it's very tongue-in-cheek and it knows it. Um. This one. I think it's tongue-in-cheek. I still think it's a lot of fun. I do enjoy the new directions going in, but I don't think it's as entertaining as Death Wish 3.
0: I don't at all. No. I think
1: I think this film has a uh, few things in it that are very notable compared to Death Wish 2 and 3. I think Overall, I think the, uh, the change in directing is for the better. I think this is a much better directed film than Death Wish 2 and 3. It definitely has a better flow and pace to it cuz it's for the most part this film is like like 70% action. There's not a lot of bullshitting going around. In Death Wish 3 and Death Wish 2, there's a lot of bullshitting going around, like just like randomly talking and you know expo- expositive scenes just, you know, kind of move things forward. This film is literally Paul Kersey's got a new girlfriend. His girlfriend goes on a date. She buys some Coke. ODS on the coke and dies. His he, daughter
0: is his um, girlfriend's daughter. daughter. Yeah, yeah. And, I, uh, yeah.
1: and what happens? Well, he, you know, he wants revenge and he kills like the pusher that gave her the coke. But at the same time, somebody finds out that he's, you know, the vigilante. So he goes and meets with this guy and it's a millionaire, you know, newspaper guy, and says his daughter died the same way too, and he knows all about Kirsty and he's willing to give him. Everything that to take down the drugs in Los Angeles, and Kersey agrees. And from there, it's literally just like I said. It's like a hit. It's like uh, it's like a GTA mission or a Hitman game. It's literally Cursey's getting ready to do the killing of somebody with expo- expository briefing going on by that guy, uh, by that character, and then he kills somebody, and then they move on to the next one, and then you have. In between, slightly, because there's two rival drug uh, drug gangs in this, and then you have them kind of be like, "What the fuck's going on?" And that's the entire film.
0: Yeah, basically, it's
1: literally the entire film. It's simple, and, and and the film knows that. It's simple. It's not trying to be overtly smart or it or anything like that. It's just trying to be entertaining, and I think and I think it works in the fact. And I, you know what? Even though this film series started off in a grounded reality of, you know, fighting crime with vigilantism because you feel, as a citizen, you feel helpless and the police aren't doing anything and you want to stop it. This has gone the complete opposite fucking direction at this point. And now we've gotten to, he, in this film, he's fucking James Bond.
0: Well, yeah, because in... in- Cause this film, even
1: though like uh, the Bond film "License to Kill" came out two years after this, it's literally "License to
0: Kill." Yeah, and... <laughs> I mean, with this one, Paul Kersey is not a vigilante. He apparently could do this for a living. He's an assa- He's yeah. a
1: hitman. He, yes, yeah. he's, he's a
0: hired assassin because Nathan White, the guy who hires him, is is basically saying, "I've seen that you have skills, and I'm going to put you to work like wiretapping phones." and infiltrating as a spy in, like, a fish house, and and just, also and, yeah, and murder, working at yeah. like as a butler at this, the, one right. of the drug using, guys' using, mansions. Using explosives and all, yeah. It's yeah, like, 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 this is not your run-of-the-mill, like, guy who, you know, his wife is murdered, so he's like, I'm going to use a gun on this guy. It's not, not, you know, it's not as easy as just taking up a gun well, and no, be like, I'm going to shoot that guy. Well, not only that, um... Before all
1: of this, his, the basis of his character was he was a, a fucking bleeding-heart liberal because he was a conscientious objector in the Korean War. So when he was in the Korean War, he didn't fight. He was a medic. But he still knew how to... Sh- at least he knew how to shoot, though, because his dad... his Although his mom was a pacifist, his dad liked to hunt, so he learned how to shoot. So that makes sense in the first couple of fil- uh, the two At least the first two films. Yeah. How he knows how to...
0: You know his fire weapon. And, and be
1: accurate yeah. and, you know, well-trained. And this one's like, well, in that downtime between these films, yeah, he went away to, like, MI6 sleepaway camp <laughs> and became, you know, 008. And right. now, he's, now he's out there, you know, wiretapping, brief, you know, getting briefs from
0: M and then setting bombs off in a he knows how to, comical yeah. manner. and <laughs> Yeah, he knows how to, like, rig up bombs. He knows how to use a grenade launcher. You know, these are things that a normal person just off the street, like, figuring out that they want to take down some crime. They're not going to know how to do. At so least at least, say At least with Death Wish Street, too, when, at the end when he's using that Browning M-19, you might be able
1: to, you can, like, okay, even though he's a conscious objector, he still had to go through, you know, military, military training. training. And yeah. At one point during, like, marksman training, it might have been like, okay, you, you're going to learn how to use the machine gun because you may need to have to use it. Right. So that makes sense, but for this one, you know, again, like bomb squad work the, or spying, yeah, no,
0: this, no, yeah, this is <sighs> it, this is really suspends belief on on what Paul Kersey as a as a regular person could do because, I mean, he doesn't have he just doesn't have that training. So yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's a little ridiculous for for one thing with with what Death Wish Four the the Crackdown presents, um, but you're right. I do think that this film. It, has a lot better direction from it's much. Ti- uh,
1: it's much tighter. Of a film. Yeah,
0: it is from from Jay Lee Thompson, who notably did thing did films like Cape Fear, and um, uh, what was the other one that he did? I I can't remember. That was another one that was like a really like a well known. Film. I now I'm drawing a blank on what he actually. Oh yeah, um, the pl- Planet of the Apes series as well. He did Battle and Conquest. Well, those are the last two. Of the, yeah, they're but, not technically they're, they're, well. I mean, I like films, them. but I, yeah. I mean, and, and, but, I, I mean, he did like Kate Fierce particularly is a pretty well reviewed film. I mean, it's not something to like scoff at when you're talking about film history. And then to see kind of the slug. Jay Lee Thompson take on basically multiple Charles Bronson franchises like Death Wish 4, Messenger of Death and then Kenjita. at Murphy's Law. Yeah, Murphy's Law all of those at the end of his film career, <laughs> seems like it just burnt him out and killed him and killed him from the from actually doing film because he re- he retired from film in 1989, didn't do anything else after um uh, that one, that that film with Charles Bronson kind of burnt him out. And I can kind of see why. I mean, you're going from Cape Fear to Death Wish 4. <laughs> it's just kind of a weird scenario, I guess. But maybe maybe he wanted to get less serious. I That's that's something. I mean, maybe he wanted to just well, he's have also, fun. Well, and, he's
1: also a director that is doing a film a year. True. So, that's I mean. Probably,
0: yeah, probably just taking what. So, it's not
1: doing, like you're going to, you know. Yeah.
0: You're not gonna be doing probably you're not gonna get everything that's not, like gold
1: it's not it's not Kubrick it's carefully you know sculpting and planning everything and yeah. p- you know deciding what to get it's
0: you know oh, do this probably me. just likes to make movies that's that could be, but anyway, I mean I don't know I think that death wish for the crackdown is it's barely a Death Wish film in general. This no, could I, be any, I, a I film would, by any other name. It could just be called The Crackdown, and you you would... be No, you're right. Yeah, you're, you know, this you're could to, you're, be you're, any you're, Charles Bronson film. No,
1: you're totally right. As much as I like the change in tone from... Uh, and by tone, I mean not seriousness. I mean direct, the overall direction from being like a vigilante revenge to... An action film as much as I enjoy it no you're totally right this isn't a Death Wish film
0: Yeah. At, at, at this point if 3 didn't lose the spirit of it this one it's totally gone it definitely has I mean you you do have some of the Death Wish themes like you have a lot of criminal stuff going on that affects Charles like Paul Kersey in some way like in the beginning the intro where he sees a woman is um, being like is in an attempted rape and he steps in to intervene. I mean, that's part of Death Wish. What was he a way. doing in that garage? Yeah, why is he just standing around? The lady the was leaving
1: her job and <laughs> getting in her car. And it's in a fucking parking garage, and then three thugs. Matt, they, they don't show them showing up. They just like kind of magically, like one by one, show up. And she's trying to start her car, but apparently her, you know, expensive BMW just won't fucking start up. God knows why. Yeah, and yeah, and then. As they break the window and drag her out, and you know, get ready to rape her. Nope, Paul Kersey's there to gun him
0: down. Yeah, he's just magically in the parking garage.
1: It's his. It's his job. Yeah, his in his a pair. trench coat. It's his job now to just like follow people and be. Like, I think that guy's a rapist. He owns there. his
0: own architect firm, but yeah, now yeah, now he's not working for a firm. He has his own firm. He owns and, it, and <laughs> now so like this, I think we should bring that up too because. This is not really a scenario where Paul Kersey can just be like I'm going to move now. You own an architect firm in Los Angeles. You don't you can't just at this point be like I'm going to up and move to a different city and, you know, that you're not you know, you can't just do that anymore. You can't just pick up roots and move away and when you own a and when you own a firm like that. I, I don't know. I just some of those things they just don't work you know it's, it's it definitely does feel like a different kind of film than what Death Wish has presented so far um with that I mean like I said there's there's a few things that really stand out though um not only like the attempted rape at the beginning of the film but there's also the fact that he's constantly pursued by the police at some su- with like a really s- small subplot about the police working on his case you know, that's been a kind of constant within the yeah. Death Wish series. Of them, where, of them looking for the vigilante. Yeah. Yeah. In this case, again, we cannot forget about how much of a record he must have amassed by now. With, again, with multiple get, cities. Oh, it, acc- I know, but not only like that, he's back in L.A. again. Yeah, he's back he, in you,
1: LA. Death Wish 2, there are cops <laughs> there looking for him and, you know, working yeah. on that. I mean... They, it, what do they do? Just like, oh, yeah, that Paul Kirsty, we found out he's the vigilante. But you know he's... A nice guy, and he's doing... Yeah. He's doing God's work, so all those files and evidence, we burned it all. Yeah. So now, like, these new cops are like,
0: ah, you you know... Yeah, it's it's not until the end of the film where they actually run his record, and they're like, oh, yeah, we kind of found out that he's had this happen to him before. (laughs) You know? Twelve different times. (laughs) That's right. I mean, I guess that... In general, these aren't very good cops, because the one guy that is which makes, really... Which makes the argument for vigilantism, you know? I guess that, so, yeah. That much stronger. Like, yeah. well,
1: these cops can't fucking figure out he's doing it. You might as well
0: just do it. I mean, like, with with the one, the, the main detective that's been following, Detective Reiner... Um, He's... His, his low partner... Low-rent low rent John Saxon. That's what you think. I don't really see he, it, He looks like a low-rent maybe John... A very low-rent. Like yeah, kind look of, at, Look guess.
1: at John Saxon's Wikipedia page. Yeah. And the picture they have for him, it looks like John Saxon. I guess. So. Now, again, I'm not saying it has to be spot-on. Yeah. Because he doesn't at all. That's what I'm saying. He's a very low-rent. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, It's, kind, guess, of
0: like like, it it's kind, kind of like when you get to... I can see it. It's
1: kind of like when you get to, like, uh, Gundam, and after... All the spinoffs when you have like different char clothes, like yeah. they're supposed to serve the real char. Yeah, kind of like shark. Yeah. Yeah. You have, I, you
0: have like certain ones at like the lo- very
1: lowest of rent.
0: You them. know, and I think I, you know, what more so is that I can hear it in his voice. I can hear a little bit of John Saxton in his voice. Um, but I mean, yeah, I can I can see the kind of resemblance to him. But I mean, he, this guy is working closely with his partner, who is definitely. A criminal, like definitely working with the uh crime bosses in the area, and he has not figured it out yet. I mean, they're just it's not good cops in this film, not, not good, at all. Not really good outside
1: of Death Wish One, is that really not co- really? Co- not really, cops. they
0: don't really put it together very well. But much. isn't it in
1: the, like, what film, unless the film, no, even films that have like cops, if usually if the lead is the cop, he's the smart cop that has to fight against the authority. Around him to get things done because they just don't know anybody like a John McClane, yeah. Like he, you know, he's got, a, you know, they're telling him otherwise, but he knows he's on the ground. He's you know doing the dirty work, and these films are the same things. It's like, and like think of the past films we reviewed like Black Christmas, everyone's a fucking idiot except yeah. John Saxon. That's true. Yeah. My Bloody Valentine, the, all the co- fucking idiots. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. It's just it's so it's like it's a, it's a
1: it's a it's a movie show. Yeah. For these things to work, your cops have to be incompetent. That's true.
0: Yeah, they are. I mean, they pretty much are. But, um, you know, I I kind of do like about this film, even though I think that it's really, um, I think it's exaggerated, is that they have two different warring drug cartels. Um, and that Which makes no sense, by the way. I mean you don't really have a partnership where you both are bringing drugs into the same city and you're you're cool with it cuz it's the same drug. Really they're they're bringing they're yeah. both bring cocaine into the city I mean, and they want a piece Offering between them. Well, no, they could, but this they I don't really see it though. No, they because could really they, encroaching on the both of their businesses. No,
1: they could because they could both be making like a nice enough profit. I guess, yeah yeah. Because again, if you get into—I
0: so think like Godfather logic. Actually,
1: okay. yeah. Because if you get into a war, that means bodies, killing, True. and that's going to bring in police, Cops. stronger crackdown. So no, at that, least, that, and that, and should, mean, that at make, least
0: it's it's mid eighties LA, so there's a lot of buyers. Yeah. <laughs> For and, a, and a lot of corruption. But yeah. No, but I mean, so that makes sense to like that. You know, they wouldn't want a war.
1: Problem is, the one boss clearly seems like he has more power than the other ones. Yeah, because when it's his birthday party, they come over and he drags them in, and he's like, "Somebody killed my pusher." They're like, "No, we don't want to break the peace, so I'll fucking kill you." You know, and they're like, "No, no, we want the peace." Obviously, there's not equal footing there, so it's like if he thought anything like that, he
0: obviously, from the sounds of it, his gang could have fucking crushed the other one. Yeah, you would think. You would think. That's what I'm saying. Basically, is that why would you have peace if you could easily get rid of the other side and then have a full, you know, cocaine enterprise rather than like sharing it? That's that's. I I think that's. But anyway, whether that makes sense or not doesn't really matter. I mean, I think it's kind. It's it's kind of cool that, you know, Paul Kersey's motivation in this film is to actually not kill everybody, but instead to get those two factions to kill each other. I mean, that is a kind of interesting scenario for Death because it's not really what happens in most of the other series. Well,
1: um, as uh, I was reading online, uh, the inspiration for this is you, Jimbo. <laughs> oh really? Which makes sense, because that's, you know, a few dollars more, yeah. you know. Guy tries, or, or you know, Yo Yojimbo's remake, uh, a few dollars worth the remake of Yojimbo, but that's, you know, basically the whole plot is, you know, Guy sets up two warring factions, and then he can reap the rewards. Same thing here. Yeah. Guy, he's trying to set up both factions so he can have them wipe each other out and, you know,
0: profit. Yeah, I mean, I think it's clever that they do this within Death Wish, because that's not really a thing a thing that happens you know normally it is paul kersey going in and just killing whoever he needs to until there's no one left you know until he's gotten his vengeance like in Defers 2 or he's basically just kicked out of the city because people know who he is and he needs to leave because they realize he's doing a good job but he can't do it here anymore um and this one there's not really anything like that like he doesn't have to he c- I, that's one of my issues: is that he could totally just go in and kill everybody like he normally does. So there's really no reason for him to go in and like wiretap a phone because they know that he's just going to kill them later on anyway. Yeah,
1: no. There's one scene where he's wiretapping a guy, and he's yeah. one of the the of uh, supposed top assassin. Um, I can't remember for which group if it's the Romero's or um uh, the Zacharias. Yeah, I don't
0: even really. My get...
1: God, whoever thought those. That to be like the two like last names, Romero of, and Zacharias. Yeah, yeah. This guy's name is Ed Zacharias. Like, wow. Yeah, you couldn't be like just like John Smith or whatever. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, he's wiretapping one of, uh, one of their top assassins' phone, only for him to come in, get in a fight. He throws the guy out the window and on like from ten stories up onto a car to get yeah. killed. So the whole point of him wiretapping was move, he could have literally just gone to that place. To kill him, yeah. To kill the assassin, yeah. not to wiretap,
0: and he then didn't like, need to like do well, it. Well, but the m- thing that doesn't that makes sense even less is that they already know who the top men are in both of the factions. They know it's the Romero brothers, and they know that it's Zacharias. So why are they wiretapping for more information? They don't need more information. I know he's already got. Again, <laughs> like I said.
1: It's literally from because of the guy uh, Bronson's working for. It's literally like like a hitman, like you're playing Hitman or Goldeneye. You're getting like a briefing before he goes and kills the guy. So you even get to like, again the guy that got thrown out of the fucking tent, like the uh, hotel window on the car. You even get to learn little nice little caveat, like oh, he's also a very fine baritone. You don't fucking <laughs> yeah, need yeah, like, to know that, but now you
0: get to know, like
1: hey, he also the man can, he's an asshole scumbag killer. <laughs> but he's got a good baritone voice. Yeah, That's how that. much information they have on him. So you don't need like again, he was given all the tools to do that. You, you don't yeah, uh, it, it doesn't that, that part doesn't make sense. Again, like I said, it's literally like a Grand Theft Auto or a Hitman mission, it's I, literally you. You're, you show up to the boss. He's like, "Hey, I got another job for you. This time, I need this guy killed." And I'm yeah. Like, well, what's the information? I'm like, "Oh, he comes to this place around three o'clock. uses a sniper rifle this time." I'm like,
0: All right, got it. And I mean, go, and then he goes and does does it. The weird thing about this is that Death Wish Four could have made that more believable by just having the the guy who, um, his name is uh, Nathan White, who's ordering Paul Kersey to do things. They could have just had him being like I'm not sure who the the head drug guys are
1: and make him actually have and to log yeah,
0: and make him have to actually do some spy work. But instead he he knows who it is like immediately, so there's no tension. reason to there's go no, through this whole rigmarole.
1: Yeah, no, there's no tension um, yeah. for it at all. He's total again. In this film, Bronson's literally Bond. He's some you don't he's somebody they don't believe to be in like vulnerable.
0: Yeah. No, you, you don't. You just don't. like you, I don't believe it
1: at you any, don't have point, any really. You don't have any fear for, like, oh, he's invincible. Everything, everything Bronson does in this film, except the ending, is so just, like, well done, well orchestrated, well, like, calculated. Like, yeah,
0: exactly. Like, even when he's uh, in his architect firm working late at night, no one else in the firm, and one of the corrupt officers comes in, with a gun pointed at him, you're you're not in any tension that he's gonna be harmed because you know that he's sitting behind that desk probably the entire time while he's talking to one of his assistants with a, with gun. a gun out under the easel just waiting <laughs> for somebody to walk in. I that's how you feel with this, you know. So that's why I and can't that's really... what he did, and that's what he did that's exactly what he did. So that's why I can't really say that I think Death Wish Four is. Is that great of a movie? I uh, I find it kind of stupid for the most part. No, again, no. but you can also see that it, it is entertaining as he does these things, even though they're unnecessary. No, I again, I agree. I I, I admit, I'm not I'm not going to lie. I admit there there are stupid things
1: with this film. But again, what what action films aren't for the most part? Yeah, most, it's very rare you see action the films like that's very smart. That's yeah. very clever. It's true. It's again. How, like, how after all these years have Transformer films keep coming out? they are terrible, character? boring, dull shit shows. Yet, there are still a large group of people who are just able to go, turn their brains off, and enjoy it for what it is. I can do that with this. I think, I, I think it hits enough right notes for to, this to be enjoyable to me. Not a great film, per se, but it's still a very enjoyable film.
0: <laughs> I think what we haven't we haven't talked about yet is Paul Kersey's new love interest in this, which her name is Karen, and she's really the reason why he gets roped into this in the first place because she's got the daughter who is hooked on drugs, is going to uh, arcades and getting drugs from drug dealers, and then. She overdoses on it and ends up, which, dead. by
1: the way, the, what she got looked nothing like coke or crack. No, it didn't. Or I don't know
0: what it would look like. Advil or a in, Jawbreaker? Yeah. It, looked, it looked to me like like brown
1: Jawbreakers or
0: something. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't look like any cocaine or crack that I've seen, and that's weird too because um, in later scenes, like they have gigantic like sugar boxes full of cocaine, so it's weird like how they. In that opening... Yeah, I wasn't really sure what she was getting in terms of, like, drug use. Uh, She could have been getting ecstasy for all we knew because it didn't really... You know, it didn't look like anything. didn't look like any cocaine that I've seen. Uh, But, yeah. So, I think, like, with Karen here in this film, it set a new... Well, not really a new precedent, but the same precedent that Death Wish has said from the beginning... Is that the d- real death wish <laughs> of the title is that anybody who actually gets close to Paul Kersey. Because that's the death wish. That's, that's when you know, like, I could possibly die at some point. Because everyone around him does, in one way or another, die. Um, I mean, in this case... The film doesn't really know what to do with Karen, I don't think.
1: She's out of it for three quarters of it. Yeah. She's
0: there for the intro and there for the ending. Yeah, I and don't that's... really think that it knows what to do with her character per se. Uh I honestly I think it gives her things to like get her out of the picture. Like Paul's like, you should write a an article about drugs in in the city. And then she's gone. Like that's it. She's like, okay, I'll write it. <laughs> and then like her character is gone for the entirety of the film until the conclusion. And I don't, I. It's hard to buy that finale. That is like we need to hit him where it counts. You know, we need to we need to get something that he really loves, and that is Karen, because we haven't seen them interact except for going to a movie. Like we should catch the eight thirty movie. It's two get, hours. Get, we'll get, get back by the time your daughter gets home. I know.
1: Yeah, they're getting ready to go to the movie before um his girlfriend's daughter goes out and like, hey, you know. I'm back by eleven. You'll be back th- by. I, if I were you, I would just stay home. And you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, the the, the wink, hint wink. is there. I know the wink, wink, like the you window like you should fuck. And it's yeah. like, yeah, what kid doesn't go like, hey, you I'm going out on a date?
0: I'm gonna fuck. You guys should fuck too. Yeah, I don't ever want that thought to like, no, you know, yeah, but it's weird because like, there's not really any like emotional attraction or any like romance between Karen and Paul. I don't get that.
1: I don't think there has been for any
0: of his love interests except for his wife in the first film. Yeah. even And that's strange, too, because his wife in the second film is literally Charles Bronson's wife. So, like... Well, for his, them girl, to have, well his
1: girlfriend. Yeah, fiance, his, or yeah, yeah, his
0: fiance. So, yeah. like, for them to have not have any, like... Chemistry. Chemistry in that one is weird. But that's because she's wooden in that one, really. I mean, she's very wooden in, in Death Wish 2, but... But like in this one, I think that this is a case of just Karen's absence throughout the whole film really makes it hard to believe when she comes in later and is supposed to be such an important part of of his life life in the conclusion. It's so, it's really weird. It's jarring because yeah, in this, there is a surprising conclusion. Like you said, we know that Paul really is invincible. Like he can't be, he can't be heard at all, but here Karen is killed and that's kind of something that Paul has sworn off like he's he's protecting those people who can't protect themselves so for her to be killed in this scenario is really it's actually surprising at the end because you don't really expect that you expect Paul to save the day kill off all the bad guys and then that's it you go home but not in this case you know Karen's killed and I think that is a surprise but I don't think that it has the resonance that it really should have because think, she's just not in the film. No,
1: and you're supposed to feel for because the one cop that find, you know found out that he's the vigilantes, you know, shows up behind him and threatens to shoot him, and then is just like, "Do whatever the fuck you want," and he just walks off, and the cop doesn't kill him. That's that's the end. Of, that's the ending. Yeah, and it's just Bronson's like, you're supposed to feel like, oh no, he lost another loved one, and you know he feels scarred, but it's like at the same time, it's like. You're putting yourself into these situations. <laughs> yeah, like, really. At this, at this point, you know it's not. You know it's. I. It's it's hard to. It's not like at the end of the film, I'm like oh, poor Paul. It's like no, he.
0: Well, this is a guy who yeah. hasn't learned in four movies now, that the scenarios that he puts himself in are getting the people around him killed. They're not getting him killed. Yeah, there's no... You know, we don't have to worry about Pog dying, because he's he's always on point. But the rest of the people around least, him are always dying. I was going to
1: say, at least in, like, Death Wish 1 and Death Wish 2, he you know, he gets injured and hurt. Yeah. Like, in Death Wish 1, like, he's, you know, wounded pretty good. So, you know, again, that's why I like the first one. It's more grounded in reality and, yeah. and takes itself seriously. Again, this one, he, he's Superman. He's James Bond. He can't be hurt. At the end, he loses his uh lover, but at the same time, it doesn't matter. Cuz Cause, uh, cause at this point, look, if I, if I don't know cuz I haven't gone through the situation. I don't think anyone ever has or ever will of like a situation <laughs> like him of like having like three to four <laughs> different loved ones like yeah. <laughs> murdered or leave you because you're a murderer. Um, but I almost feel like at, like, that point, I would, like, you would stop. Like, you're, you, how does, how does, how does he even, I don't understand (laughs) how he even has the capacity to connect to somebody like that.
0: I have no idea. I don't know how you can be vigilante by night. Especially after the second film where his... (laughs) His fiance
1: is isn't dead or anything. She leaves him because she finds out he's the vigilante. Yeah. And that, that she, it's basically her saying, like, you're just as bad as them. Even though those things have happened, I don't want to be with you because you kill people. So, like, after everything that's happened, like, how is he still going around? Like, how is he? I don't understand, like, how, like, all the things he's been through and then, like, just his overall emotional and psychological state how he's even able to connect to like another person at yeah. that level yeah. i don't know if he's like again, maybe he is at this point a true sociopath and he's and he's he, like like a dexter scenario where he's totally faking it like like you know you know I, i'm doing it to kind of keep up appearances yeah you know? i
0: don't really care and you know, just uh, yeah it's it's really hard to see, to imagine because, you're right, at this point... And that's adding a layer to it that I don't think they ever thought no, of or cared. No,
1: you're, you're supposed to think yeah. that he's able to do that. But at the same time, if you think about it critically long enough, you might have a brain aneurysm and a stroke and come to the conclusion, like, wait, how, is, how, how does he do, you know, how?
0: Yeah, be, like, he, at this point, you would think he would just be like, okay, I'm going to live alone. Because that's, first of all, easier for me than having to explain to someone, like, try to lie to someone and say, like, no, I actually like was actually at the firm. Yeah, and, like, Death Wish Street,
1: where he li- literally goes back to New York, goes lives in his old buddy's apartment because
0: he got killed, and then basically makes it just a base of operations, and then yeah, does, does his thing. You would think you'd want to live alone at that point, because then you just, don't have to explain it to anybody. You can go out whenever you want. You don't have any witnesses, and just do it on your own time. You don't need anybody else. It's it is strange how they keep throwing love interests in here, and it's really for that purpose, like an emotional purpose. Like you're supposed to feel bad, you're supposed to feel bad. Well, I don't feel bad for him anymore because it's been four movies. He hasn't learned. He's still getting other people killed, so that's a problem. <laughs> he has a problem. <laughs> uh, one of the interesting things about this film is that it is uh, it does have Danny Trejo in it. Is it which one is, of his first films? I don't know if it's one of I don't I doubt it's one of his first films, but I do think that um it's an interesting film for him to be in. It may be, you know what, maybe it is one of his first films. Um I mean, yeah, in general, it looks like he had a boom in 1987 when this film came out where he started like really getting better parts in films. In this one, he doesn't really have much of a part. Like it's no, not a,
1: you can spot him from a
0: mile away. But yeah, you definitely could tell that. Hey, that's Danny Trejo. Uh, in this one, it is. It's he doesn't get much to do, but he does get a really funny scene where Oh, one of the best effects. It's, one, the- yeah, it's one of the greatest scenes in Death Wish Four. Uh, totally, absolutely unnecessary. We'll go through the whole thing because it's super unnecessary in this scheme of things. So, <laughs> um. Paul is tasked with going to an Italian restaurant by his boss, Nathan White, because the henchmen for the drug cartel, they they like to hang out in this Italian restaurant. So he's given a suitcase of wines, like he's a wine seller, like he's a uh, salesman for wine, which I guess they have that. I didn't really realize they had that for... For bars, but I guess they have it. So, anyways, this he's a salesman for wine, but one of those wine bottles actually has a bomb in it. So he goes into the bar, he asks the bartender to try the, his his wine because one of them is actually real, and the, uh, he then offers it to the four henchmen. And actually, you know, who really knows what would happen if this actually all went well? Like, if he was actually a salesman, they liked the wine, they drank the bottle. I don't know what the, the initial plan was, but Danny Trejo's character recognizes Paul Kersey from somewhere because he's actually been at um, the drug cartel's like main operations as he was posing as a waiter and so Danny Trejo pulls him over and Paul Kersey like very randomly throws water in Danny Trejo's face and then runs away and then the bomb explodes in the most magnificent terrible explosion effect ever yeah. I mean the whole thing makes like the explosion is horribly bad. Cartoon. It's like jaws it's, <laughs> it's jaws 3D level like bad. you almost expect like them to like be shown after the smoke it's and skeleton. just like black or, or something or, like, like sca- or just like skeletons <laughs> they, like. Yeah, just like sitting there. Yeah cuz it's so cartoony but but like the whole scenario is very like ludicrous. Yeah it's crazy like I don't know how it was supposed to go. Why couldn't he just had...
1: why couldn't he after like testing the the wine out, just like set like his briefcase at, like with the bomb somewhere by them. Yeah, now
0: I like, go up to them, just like like leave it yeah. somewhere and just walk out. He didn't have to do any of that. He could have thrown the briefcase into the bar, ran away, and have it explode. Like none of that, none of the scenario makes any sense whatsoever. That he had to go through the whole process of pretending as a salesman, pouring a pouring a wine sample. I it just it's it's nuts. But that is probably. One of the best scenes in the film, and Danny Trahill gets to be a part of it. So he's got a terrible, like bull cut mullet. <laughs> yeah, going he on. yeah, he does. And yeah, he does. Yeah,
1: he's li- literally has a bull cut mullet. It yeah. looks awful, <laughs> absolutely awful. And it's great though. And he's got his trademark mustache too. He does. So.
0: Yes, yes, he does. Let's
1: that's, that's, out of all the movies, we got three movies with. Future stars. I know. That's Jeff
0: Goldblum, Lawrence Fishburne, then Danny Trejo. The Deathwish series is really groundbreaking. Yeah, it was picking up important people. So that's probably one of my favorite scenes of the film. But it's also really the only like notable person that's in this film besides Charles Bronson. Yeah, nobody else in this um
1: is anybody that I nope. recognize Not really. off the top nope. of my head, no. Um, with good reason, because everybody in this film, yeah, like every other, like every other death wish film outside of the first one, uh, wooden, cartoony, simplistic, yep. Though at the same time, though, I think some of them are like it's not great acting, but it's enjoyable. So, like, the both drug dealers, I enjoy them for their like kind of over the top cartooniness, yeah. Um, and some of their henchmen, but overall, like, it's, the cops, they're very boring, dull, and, uh, the one, low-rent John Saxon's like, eh, you know, just saying random things, like, oh, that's his quirk, he says random, you know, little weird things, but, other than that, I think Bronson in this one compared to the past two films, Bronson actually looks like he's having fun with this. Yeah. I mean, he's not doing that great of an acting job. Because he's also very stiff and in one of this. But he looks like he's actually enjoying this.
0: Yeah. And that's good. I think that enjoys... And know, like you said, he had to do, like, some stunts in this one. Like, crawl out of an upside-down car. I know. poor old man having to,
1: <laughs> you know, limber up and do some calisthenics before he, you know, moves
0: his way out of a car. The, um, the one other thing that I wanted to talk about, which we haven't covered yet, is just how 80s this film really is. It's... <laughs> Like, like I said, this is the epitome of an '80s, of like a later '80s film.
1: The themes, like I was telling you, the theme song to this could have been GTA's Vice City theme. Yeah, like it
0: perfectly. This enca- is absolute '80s madness because not only are you getting, um, like this, Le-
1: and to be more specific, too, late '80s. Yeah, late '80s. Because yeah, Death Wish Two encapsulates the early '80s perfectly, and yeah. it's nonsense. With this amazing theme. Death Wish 3 encapsulates the mid-80s, like, perfectly with its nonsense. This one totally looks like it's, again, very representative of the late 80s. Yeah, because not
0: only do you have, like, the entire, like, cocaine, uh, like...
1: Backdrop. But, yeah, and like,
0: it, that's, like, a whole... Th- and actually, even one character, an editor, remarks that no one cares that people are doing drugs anymore, because everyone's doing drugs. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, that's technically true in the, in the eighties like this, this, the late eighties period. Um, but not only that, but you have like just the settings for each of the scenes. Like what, like one of the biggest drug deals occurs in the arcade, like a, a packed arcade.
1: What's an arcade? Right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. And a roller rink. Yep. The arcade in the roller rink, the entire, like almost all of the conclusion takes place in a very packed roller rink,
1: like they just like everyone just got
0: done watching Xanadu, and like let's go down to the roller rink, you know. Yeah, it's great because like you get to see all of the the hairstyles and the outfits, the outfits of the of the late eighties, like that. Um, it's always... the one girl,
1: the one, uh, one uh, Karen's daughter's
0: boyfriend pulls up in a fucking IROC Camaro, <laughs> yeah, it's with like
1: cigarette tucked behind his and ear is, and like generic fucking. Late eighties like rock music playing, like it's not it's not a licensed song. It's just you
0: know random yeah. like. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I know. Um, that roller rink scene I think is probably one of my favorites in this film as well because and it's typical how, and, it,
1: and it's typical of a late eighties like action scene. Yeah, so it you know? is.
0: It's it's absolutely ridiculous with like the flashing strobe lights and the fog just pouring over this roller rink. Because, in this case, if anybody was actually trying to roller skate in that roller rink with, like, the fog and the lights going on, they wouldn't be able to see anybody. They would not... They'd be crashing into all kinds of things. It'd be a lawsuit waiting to happen. Not only that, the walls are, like, steel caged, too. Yeah. Like, so, it's... I know. I, I, I love that roller rink scene because it is, you know, for, like, where... You know, you think about Death Wish 3 where they were facing off in like a b- blown out Brooklyn uh, s- Na- like neighborhood, city yeah. neighborhood. Uh, which kind of makes sense for like the epitome of an action film. In this case, th- this film's, you know, main face off occurs in a roller rink. It's kind of, it's kind of r- crazy, but at the same time, I mean, I do appreciate it for what it is. I, I love that. Uh, that's all I had on my list of things to talk about. Did you? Did we not? Co- did, what did we? What do you have that to cover?
1: Um, I will say that overall, I do think the action. This film's pretty well done. Yeah. I do. The the effects at times not good. Yeah. And some of the acting, like reaction shots, <laughs> so like getting shot, are stereotypical, terrible action film style. Yeah. But I think like some of the premises are good. Like the whole like shootout the oil field. I think that's a, you know that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again. That, like I joke it's like a GTA thing but that like you know in GTA 5 because that, that whole oil field looks like something in GTA 5 but I I do think it was you know a pretty good setting I do think the ending shootout at the roller rings pretty fun and uh though it's kind of funny that he you don't ever see, like, the bullets hitting people. No. And you don't you see don't. any blood. No. So, like, you see him shooting, like, it's hitting a bunch of arcade machines, We don't see him hitting the guy, but the guy just drops down like he got shot. Yeah, like... that's
0: actually, like, a step back from what Death Wish 3 was doing. Because mm-hmm. in that one, you actually had, like, the blood packs and everything spurting yeah. out. In this one, it's more so of, like, a... Spray yeah, and pray. Like, yeah. It's kind of like a... Comical. You know, and that's that's pretty reminiscent of the time, though. Like, a lot of lower-budget action films would do that, where it would just be like, you can't even see the bullets, you can't even see the holes, but it'd just, like, shake and die. <laughs> and it
1: did have a lower-budget, it only five million. Yeah.
0: But, so, I um, mean, it's reminiscent of, like, what they would do at this time, but at the same time, I think it's a step back for some of the other films in the, no, in the series.
1: I, no, I agree, but I do, I do think overall, though, the action in this is... It's uh, enjoyable. Yeah. And,
0: you know, it's entertaining. You'll... Especially with like the grenade launcher towards the end. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Which that- is
1: which is great too because he like blows up the one van with a grenade launcher and a couple guys. Uh, um, which the guy you find out that the guy who hired him isn't actually a newspaper guy. He's another. He's a rival drug lord, right? Who's snuffing out the other guys. Yeah,
0: it's like a it's like a uh, yeah. a backstab. Yeah, it's a plot twist. Yeah,
1: and. When Kersey blows up that fucking van with his grenade launch and a couple guys get flown, he's like, holy shit, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> Which is great, because it's like, he's so, it's supposed to be some badass drug lord. He, like Even he's like, oh, damn, you know, this this guy's serious.
0: He also <laughs> elicits the great phrase, fucking black fag, when his one ne- <laughs> cohort uh, <laughs> runs away and, and tries to drive out of the garage in his car. Before he gets he, blown up by he's a, he's Because he's a black guy. And uh, yeah, because he's running away, he's a fan. He's running away. He's a, he's a fucking black fag. <laughs> it's that's yeah, pretty funny. But and again,
1: uh, it's not. Let's see. It's fun. see <laughs> so this is people are like probably like, that's offensive, and it's like it is. But at the same time, it's hilarious because it's so fucking ridiculous. See, it's the ridiculousness. It's the
0: ridiculousness that, of that phrase
1: that makes it hilarious. Yeah, exactly. To those who don't understand comedy. It was (laughs) pretty funny. But no, I mean. And you know, that was great too. Because it's like, that's such like an 80s type. Have you ever, like, I can't even think of a film today that would even dare. Like even like an action film or something. Like they'd say shit like that. No, probably not. It it just, just wouldn't fly. No. but Soundtrack.
0: We got a great. The great soundtrack, fucking late 80s smooth jazz. Yeah, saxophone ridden, riddled uh, uh, soundtrack on that one. It's you know, no, it's
1: no, it's no Death
0: Wish two theme.
1: It's no Jimmy Page with the synth stings and guitar Yeah, This is definitely no Jimmy Page.
0: But you gotta, you gotta admit that this soundtrack is a lot more. Um, like, Energized and cohesive Cohesive, yeah, that's the word I was looking for Cohesive <laughs> Then like Death Wish 2 and 3 Because those soundtracks are all over the place it's
1: Mainly Death Wish 2 Death Wish 3 is a little bit more focused yeah. but No, you're right This one does stay in line with that yeah. That like jazzy sax The entire film Yeah. Uh, whereas Death Wish 2 is like Going from like rock to metal to Synth horror score You, you know yeah. At the same time, I love that, just because of how it's like, you got the great theme, and then like the fucking synth stings, like somebody's like, oh, John Carpenter used that, let's, you know, let's try yeah. something like that. This one, like, it's like, no, we know what we're trying to be, we're trying to be an 80s action film, we're gonna have a...
0: You got like the guitar solos in the, in the sex. And as, and
1: as and as you said, like, you can just see them like, playing this in the studio, with was like sunglasses on, yeah. like, like, oh, this is where they're gonna, you know,
0: build into the bridge, let's go. Yep. It's, it's, I mean, I, I dig the tune. I think it's pretty catchy myself. Outside of the theme, though, the
1: soundtrack overall is not memorable. It's not really but, that memorable. But to be no. fair,
0: to be fair, it's not like
1: Death Wish 2 and 3 where every scene is littered with some yeah, score. Th- this one's a
0: much quieter. I mean, I don't really t- think that the soundtrack in the action scenes needs to be memorable. There's not really, like, because you're watching the action. You're not really yeah. listening to, like, the soundtrack giving you the emotion. Yeah. So... I think that probably works. Like, it's better for it to be not really that noticeable. Yeah, no, I agree. So, um, anything else that you can think of? I think, I think we touched on pretty much everything. Yeah, uh, you know, like I said, um, I think it's kind of a stupid film, but I know that people will have fun with Death Wish Four. I mean, it's you—you you can have fun with it if you really like. Just stop trying to think about it for a second and just like let it happen. It's a fun film. It's definitely one of those 80s action movies where you have to kind of just go with the flow and not really worry about realism and things that happen. It's about the journey. That's That's right. Exactly. (laughs) At least in this film, like, cars just don't blow up whenever they want to. (laughs) So, that's, that's a plus, I guess. So, out of uh, 10 car bombs, what would you give uh, Death Wish 4, The Crackdown?
1: I'm trying to think. I gave Death Wish 1 an 8.5. Uh, I can't
0: remember. I know. No like,
1: I'm trying to think. I think I gave Death Wish 2 a 5 or
0: a 5.5. I have no idea. Lost track. And I think it's, I
1: can't remember if it was a 7.5 or
0: a 6.5. I think probably, uh, I know 3, a, I think you gave it like a 7.5. 7.5. I think I'm gonna, we were in agreement I would, that one. I would give this probably a 6.5. Six and a half. Yeah. I think I probably gotta go six on this one.
1: I I think I I do agree. Like Death Wish Street, it's a very flawed film. Yeah, but I still think it's a lot of fun. Um, I know I've bashed on here sometimes, you know, just like the idea of like films where you turn your brain off. But at the same time, I think it's one of those things. Like a film like that, it's either going to you're gonna when you watch it, it's going to automatic. Your brain's automatically gonna do it, and you're gonna be able to enjoy it. Or you're not going to be able to do it. Yeah, I think that's kind of how those films they work. Like some people can do it to most of those films. Some people, you know, you can't. This one, I I can do that too, and
0: enjoy it. Um,
1: so yeah, I I like it. As right now, this is easily better than Death Wish 2.
0: Yeah, I would I I would say this is better than Death Wish 2. I think Death Wish two is probably one of the worst in the series. Um, so I, I would definitely, I would say it's, it's that damn Roman numeral. That's right. Yeah. I'm really next week. We're going to cover the final death wish film, death wish five, the face of death, which also has a subtitle, as you can tell. And, um, I'm really curious to see what this one does because that film was released seven years later from death wish Four: the crackdown. So like in seven years, a lot has changed. And also, like, a lot of people have probably forgotten about Death Wish. It's going to be filled with grunge music. <laughs> I Yeah, I'm really curious to see where this goes from here. Um, So, like, when we did the Saw series and you were getting worn down, I can't, I, I can't say that I'm getting worn down from the Death Wish series. <laughs> I continue to come back fresh-faced and ready for another Paul Kersey film. Well, to be fair, though, Saw is, like, the same... Continuing strand of story so yeah. I mean, yeah, this one just kind of you can pick up wherever you yeah. it go. It's yeah.
1: m- more episodic. so yeah. I think that I think that's part of the reason why I saw like Drains
0: because it's like you watch the fifth one, it's like oh,
1: this is how it connects back to the second one with the, this twist, and it's like oh, fuck you, movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Too many, too many inter- intertwining plot themes and stuff like that. So yeah, Death Wish, you don't really need that. So I'm really interested to see where Death Wish Five takes us. Next week we're gonna we're gonna talk about that one, and that'll be the end of the Death Wish series. And then from there, I think we're gonna like take a break from some of the series work that we've been doing, and like covering off all, of, all of the movies in a franchise, and probably do a couple of one offs yeah. uh, before we kind of do anything more with the series work. Um, so I don't really, I have a I think I know what I want to cover, but uh, I haven't discussed it with you yet. Um, I think I want to get into another giallo. Um, cuz we haven't we had mentioned um we had mentioned that we never have done a giallo on here before, but that wasn't true um because we did do Tenebrae.
1: no, we mentioned that before Tenebrae. Um, cuz we when we saw Tenebrae we were like, "Hey, we're finally doing a giallo." which is the whole purpose of the
0: podcast. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I I, I want to get back into another one because um, I, we haven't done very many and we wanted to do those for that. So I think we're going to do What Have You Done to Solange? Because I, I have that. Um, this is a shallow that I have not watched yet, uh, but I've been really interested in seeing. So I think we may do that one for the next film. Yeah, we can after, do a couple of... After, de- after Death 5. You no, know, it's just five. not like a series, but we'll just do a couple of channels Yeah. Because I do have a couple. Um, I think I would be really interested in doing What Have You Done to Solange, which is actually a yellow, a And then also... There's one I want to do down the road.
1: Yeah. Um, just because I know it's a famous one, but
0: I've never seen it. What? It's a Dario Argento film. What is it? You know it. It's his biggest film. Suspiria? Yeah. Suspiria? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at some point we would definitely do that. Uh, I love Suspiria because you can't you can't call yourself a Jello podcast and then not review. That's true. That Blood and Black Lace we have got to do at some point, um, you know. But yeah, I mean, I would love to do Suspiria at some point. I know Synapse is working on it as like a release. Well, when they fuck up the audio. No.
1: So, ever so slightly with a hissing noise. No,
0: I'm just excited for them for their color work on that, because the color in Suspiri is great. But um so I want to do What Have You Done to Solange, and I feel I I do I also want to do The Night Evelyn Came Out of the Grave. Lenosh, Evelyn Uski Dalatamba. Um which is, is not technically a giallo film, but it is definitely in that style. So that's one of my favorites. Um, so I would be really interested in doing that one because I have both of those. So yeah, there you go. We may be doing that. There you go, ladies and gents. And then that'll probably take us close to St. Patrick's Day when we can do Leprechaun 2. <laughs> we had so much fun with the previous one. yeah. God. And maybe something with Valentine's Day. Is there my Bloody Valentine too? Uh, no. I was thinking more of along the lines of Valentine with David Boreanaz from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh-huh. Angel, and um Bones fame, David Boreanaz. So, um, that may be in the future as well because I think what is it? Two weeks from now is Valentine's yeah. Day, something like that. Two weeks. So we'll probably do. We'll probably stick something in there. So. You know, gotta gotta it's correspond it's with the the holidays and stuff. People like that. It's um, topical. Yeah, that's right. So, all right. So, some uh, administrative duties. Obviously, uh, we are on iTunes. That's where you can catch us. Uh, that's where most people will probably be listening to us. Uh, Blood and Black Run podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to us and leave us a nice review. It helps us get noticed. We appreciate you subscribing. Uh, We're also on SoundCloud. That's where the episodes go up first, and that's where our SS feed originates. You can follow us on there. Uh, Make sure that you like and and, uh, repost some of our stuff. We really appreciate you following us. Uh, You can also catch us on Stitcher and basically any other podcast app that you use. So any of those, if you can leave us a review, please do so. Leave us a nice review. Uh, you can catch us on our website. It's bloodandblackrumpodcast.wordpress.com. I do post all of our updates on there, so you can follow along there. Uh, we are on Twitter at blood and black rum, and uh, you can follow us. Uh, I post some of our episodes up there, and we try to repost some of our uh, podcast networks um, episodes as well. So you'll probably see a lot from the Ace Podcast Network, which we like to promote so definitely check them out too. You can also like us on Facebook oh, we're on there. So share us and do whatever you need to do there uh, on Facebook. Uh, you can email us blood and black run podcast at gmail.com. Let us know your suggestions for any films that you want us to cover or anything that we can do on the show. Uh, we really do. Uh, we are open to your feedback. So please let us know. And, um, also, make sure that you check out our Patreon. Uh, it's patreon.com blood and black rom podcast. Um, that's a donation service, and we do have a few tiers open if you do choose to donate to us. Uh, it's a monthly donation, so just keep that in mind. Um, we appreciate anything that you can give back to help us out. Uh, we, we do use it for the podcast only, so uh, everything that we get is going to be used for podcast hosting and stuff like that. Uh, so if you can donate to us, we really appreciate it. But if not, we'll always do this for free. Um, I think that's it. So uh, thank you for joining us for this episode uh, of the Death Wish series. We'll be back next week with the final installment of this series with Death Wish 5, The Face of Death. And I think that's it. Take care. Have a good one.